Good morning, First Church family. We're so glad you've joined us for our Easter Sunday service of worship. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is risen today. I want to encourage you, if you haven't had an opportunity, to go on our church website uh, to pull our bulletin up. Uh, we have the order of worship, uh, the lyrics for the music we're singing today, just as we've had the previous few weeks. So encourage you to do that this morning. Our prelude is a new song the praise team is singing for us this morning in honor of and in celebration of the resurrection. Uh, the words are in your bulletin. It is entitled King of Kings. He is risen. He is risen indeed. 
Welcome once again to our Easter morning service of worship. Uh, we're here to, to worship and celebrate our risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, we wanna, I wanna share with you just a couple of announcements, just a reminder of how to stay connected with us during this, during this time of, of the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, so you can stay connected, of course, by following us here on Facebook Live, as well as listening to our Sunday morning worship services on the T102 broadcast and the iHeartRadio app. Of course, you can always continue to reach out to us here at the church uh, through phone, through email. Uh, we are still, you know, uh, working in the office and able to return calls and emails and those sorts of things. So uh, church family, uh, listener on the radio, uh, random person who found us on Facebook Live, you're, o- you're always welcome to reach out to us, uh, whether that's for prayer, for, for just someone to talk to. We are, we are here and we want to be a, a source of, of help and hope and peace during a time like this. And of course, Easter Sunday is a great time to remember the hope that we have in Christ. At the end of our service today, we are going to celebrate communion together again, together in our separate homes. Uh, so if you have an opportunity between now and the end of the service to grab some bread, some crackers, some juice, or, or something like that, uh, we will have an opportunity to partake in the, in, the, in the Lord's Supper together at the end of the service. So I encourage you to take time to do that. Even if you don't have anything at hand, uh, you can still uh, perfectly join with us in, in the remembrance of Christ's death and his resurrection. Uh, this time I want to invite Pastor Tori forward for our call to worship. It is taken from Psalm 30. I will exalt you, O Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. O Lord, my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. O Lord, you brought me up from the grave and you spared me from going down into the pit. Sing to the Lord, you saints of his praise, praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. When I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken, O Lord, when you favored me. You made, you made my mountain stand firm, but when you hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. What gain is there in my destruction, in going, in my going down into the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my help. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy, that my heart may sing to you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. I invite you to sing with us uh, some very important and very powerful Christmas... Christmas, Easter hymns this morning, number 216 and 217, Christ arose and Christ the Lord is risen today.
outfits. Um, So when I was a kid, Easter was one of my favorite holidays because my mom always goes big on Christmas and Easter. And Easter was super fun in our house because instead of doing an Easter egg hunt, my mom would do a jelly bean hunt. So the night before Easter, she would block off our entire kitchen in our living room and she would hide jelly beans all over the place. And I'm talking hundreds of jelly beans. There were jelly beans on the top of the TV, on top of the picture hanging behind the, the couch. And she just hid them anywhere she could possibly find a spot. And she was really good because she would even match the color of the jelly beans to the thing that she was hiding them on. And so, you know, maybe a year later, sometimes you'd be laying in the right spot on the floor and you'd find one of the black licorice jelly beans, um, which is okay because those ones are gross anyway. Um, But we loved our jelly bean hunt. And jelly beans are still one of my favorite candies to eat, especially around Easter. And I bet... Some of you have already found your Easter baskets and are maybe snacking on some jelly beans right now. So if you are, 
I want you to grab your Easter basket, and we are going to use our jelly beans to tell people about the good news of Jesus, because that's what we're celebrating today. Jesus dying for us and rising again. That is what we celebrate at Easter. So the different colored jelly beans in your Easter basket can remind you of what Jesus did for you on the cross and can help you tell others about him. So if you have your jelly beans, you can follow along with me, all right? So the black jelly beans reminds us of the sin that we've all done, right? The red is for the blood of God's Son that was shed on the cross to wash away our sins. Purple jelly beans remind us of the death of Jesus, the King. And the white is the forgiveness we receive when we confess our sins. Yellow jelly beans, my favorite, um, is for heaven and eternal life we receive when we accept Jesus into our hearts as our Savior. And green is for continuing to grow in our relationship with God as we walk with him every single day. So who knew that the candy you had in your Easter basket this morning could help you remember what Jesus did for you on the cross, but also to help you tell others about him. So I want to challenge you all today to use your jelly beans to tell someone in your family about Jesus. That's what we're supposed to do as Christians, is to spread the good news of what Jesus did. And so I posted on Facebook, so your parents can find this, the jelly bean gospel that we just went through together. And you can use that to practice telling other people about Jesus Christ, because that's what we're called to as Christ followers. Okay, so grab your Easter basket this afternoon and use your jelly beans to tell someone about Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for today. We thank you for your son and for what he did for us on the cross and that he rose again and he is alive, Lord. God, I pray that as we get moved through this day, that you would remind us over and over again that Easter is about you. It's about your son and about what you did for us on the cross. Help us to tell others about your son. Help us to share and spread his love to everyone that we come in contact with. We love you and we thank you for this time. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Tori. As we go to the Lord in prayer this morning, I want to remind you again of our opportunity to continue to give and uh, give back to God in the midst of this situation. Um, of course, the, you, we, you can continue to give to the church through our online giving on our church website or or dropping a check off here at the church office. Those are there's multiple ways to give there. I also want to encourage you to continue to give towards our uh, what we're calling our virtual blue jug. Um, we are supporting uh, different uh, groups that are that are on the front lines trying to help those who are in need at this time. Uh, you can use our text to give option. Information is in the bulletin and on our website about how to give that way. Uh, anything that's given through our text giving will go towards Samaritan's Purse and their disaster relief um, efforts during the first half of April. Uh, in the second half of April, uh, beginning uh, starting April 15th and going to the end of the month, uh, anything that's given through text giving uh, towards that virtual blue jug will go to support Agape uh, Ministries in St. Mary's, Ohio. So uh, those are two different groups that are that are working to help those who are in need, especially at a time like this. So I encourage you to support them as well. We also want to remember those who have who have passed before us. Uh, we want to remember and acknowledge those that have died serving our country uh, in Iraq. Uh, Sergeant First Class John David Randolph, 44, from Maryland. Uh, in Pennsylvania, Captain Douglas Lynn Hickok, 57, uh, from Pennsylvania. Uh, and uh, as a note, uh, he, all, he um, died battling the coronavirus. And in Texas, Technical, technical Sergeant Nicholas Vogler, 28, in addition to those, we also want to remember this morning those who have who have lost the battle against this pandemic. Um, as of last night, uh, those numbers include 109, almost 110,000 individuals worldwide and over 20,000 individuals here in the United States. Let's continue to pray for that, those families that have lost loved ones, those that are still uh, infected by this disease, that they would heal and, and pray that they would find hope in the midst of this situation. Let's pray, going to the Lord, remembering the words from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory 
through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for uh, the hope that we have in you, that even though we may face death in this in this world, Lord, we know that that you have conquered death. The resurrection proves to us that your love is stronger than the grave and your love conquers even death itself. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for giving of yourself, for dying on the cross and rising again from the grave to forgive us of our sins and to prepare us and to give us new life in you. Lord, thank you that that no matter what we face in this life, uh, that not even death itself can separate us from your love. Thank you for the hope that we have in you. And I pray that all who hear our service this morning, who hear your word and your promises, would find hope in that truth, that the grave is empty, that, that the cross is victorious, and that you are King of kings and Lord of lords, and you have redeemed a people for yourself. We thank you so much for that, Lord. And we, we lift up these concerns to you and, and praise your name in the name of Jesus. Uh, praying, as t- praying as he taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. And his is the glory and the power forever. We're going to sing our next praise song entitled Forever We Sing Hallelujah.
Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Mark's Gospel, chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were there on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, when they saw that they saw that the stone, which had been very large, had been rolled away, as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white, uh, dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the woman went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Let's pray. Father God, as we take time this day to to reflect, to ponder, to meditate on on your goodness and on the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I pray that you would fill us with hope, that you would inspire us, Lord, to to celebrate, to, to put our trust in you, to put our faith in you. But don't let it stop there, Lord. Let us go out and tell the good news to a world that desperately needs to hear it. Lord, the good news that the tomb is empty, that you, Lord Jesus, are alive. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Mark's Gospel presents a very kind of interesting perspective here on on the resurrection story. Uh, most of your Bibles will note that there is a, a, a verses that go on, verses 9 through 20, and, and most Bibles there are kind of uh, italicized and it's separated off from the rest. The, the reason for that is because most uh, scholars believe the earliest copies of Mark's Gospel that we have don't actually include those verses. That's not to say those verses aren't important. It's not to say that they aren't inspired or, or, or given to us for a reason, but but... I think it's interesting to look at God, the, the resurrection story from the perspective of Mark's gospel, thinking that, you know, looking at the story as if it ended in verse 8. And there's a very interesting ending here. It doesn't end with this big celebration, this big triumph, but it ends with the woman fleeing from the tomb and not saying anything because they were afraid. It's this cliffhanger ending. That there's a question that kind of hangs in the air for us, and that is what are these women going to do? Are they going to go and tell the disciples like the angel told them? Are they going to go and tell people about the empty tomb and that Jesus has risen? Or are they going to give in to their fear, give in to their, their confusion and not say anything to anyone? Well, of course, 2,000 years later, of course, we know what happened. We know from the other Gospels, we know from, uh, from Scripture that, of course, they went and told Peter and the other disciples. And news began to spread that the tomb was empty, that Jesus had risen from the grave. But we can tell from this story here that, that from, from the opening verses of this chapter that that is not what these women expected to find when they went to the tomb. You see, from their perspective, all hope was gone. All hope had been lost. Because if we look at this story, if we look at the sequence of events as we've been doing through Maundy Thursday and Good Friday and now Easter morning, it seems like they had lost. Right? It seems like their, their movement that Jesus and his teaching and his, and his ministry had come to a very abrupt end. That at the cross, Jesus and the gospel had been defeated. Right? And they come here on the, on the first day of the week, early in the morning to continue the preparations for burial that they weren't able to finish before. When Jesus was taken down from the cross and laid in the tomb, uh, Sabbath was just about to begin. Uh, the sundown was, uh, sun was about to set, which meant Sabbath would begin and they would not be able to prepare the body. And so they left him in the tomb. They rolled a stone in front of it so no one would bother him. And they returned early that Sunday morning to finish the work they began the night before. In fact, Mark gives us a clue into their mindset because as they're going along the road, they wonder, all right, who's going to move this stone out of the way for us? Right? They expected to find things just as they had at that point. 
See, they didn't get it. We're looking at the story from this side of the empty tomb, right? We're looking at it from this side of the resurrection, and we know how the story ends. But for them, they, they didn't see it. And it's not just the women. It was the disciples as well. Three times in Mark's gospel, Jesus tells the disciples, I am going to go and I am going to die on the cross. And in three days, I will rise again. Three different times, first in Mark chapter 8, then in Mark chapter 9, and in Mark chapter 10. Right, Jesus was very clear about what was going to happen, and yet the disciples kept missing the point. And so when Jesus died, when he gave, when his death came on the cross, it seemed for all intents and purposes to be the end of the story. It seemed like all hope had been lost. It wasn't until after the resurrection that, that Jesus' sayings and his teachings about what would happen to him finally made sense. And we see that in John chapter 2, Verses 19 through 22. Speaking of the destruction of the temple, Jesus answered them and said, Destroy the temple and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, It has taken 46 years to build this temple and you're going to raise it up in three days. But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he'd said. And then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. You see, it wasn't until the resurrection that, that it finally clicked for them, that they finally realized that Jesus' entire purpose, his entire ministry was leading up to that point, his death on the cross for our sins, and then his resurrection from the dead to usher in eternal life for us. But put yourself in those women's shoes. Put yourself in the disciples' shoes. You know, they got to a point when it seemed like their hope was gone. Have you ever been to a point like that where your hope was futile that when everything seemed to be working against you and you wonder how you can keep putting one foot in front of the other to continue on? See, that's how they felt. They they had gotten to a point where everything seemed to be taken away from them. And when all hope was lost, we are confronted with the only good news that can bring us hope. We're confronted with the message of an empty tomb, that Jesus is alive, that the tomb is empty, and that he is sitting now at the right hand of the Father as King of kings and Lord of lords. Right, That's the good news we need to hear today. That's the good news we need to hear in the midst of a pandemic. Right, That's the news we need to hear each and every day of our lives, that, that the enemy has not won, but the enemy has been defeated, and that Jesus has conquered sin and death. Right, that's what the empty tomb means for us. Right, some may wonder today, right, how do we know that Jesus was truly resurrected? How do we know that the tomb really was empty that first Easter morning? Well, first of all, there's, there was no body ever produced, right? Probably the first thing that, that, the, that the authorities would have done to try to disprove the resurrection was by producing Jesus' body for crowds to see. But they couldn't do it because his body was nowhere to be found. He had been raised from the dead. In fact, in Matthew chapter 28, you get the story that, that the chief priests and the elders concocted a, a plan to, to describe how, how the disciples had come and stolen the body. They were trying to cover up the fact that there was no body to prove that Jesus was still dead. But beyond the absence of proof, we also have from Scripture a testimony about witnesses who saw the risen Lord. In 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 8, Paul says, I received what I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, and then last, and then to all the apostles, and least of all, Excuse me, last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. You get what Paul here is saying, right? He's saying that if you want to, if you want proof, if you want to know that Jesus truly is alive, just go talk to the people who see, who saw it happen, right? This letter to the Corinthians was written, you know, within a generation or so of the resurrection, right? Maybe generation and a half. And, 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 and Paul is pointing to people that are still alive that can give testimony to the fact that they saw what had happened. Imagine something, some big event took place here in New Knoxville about 40 years ago when we were trying to determine whether or not it actually happened. 
Well, how could we prove it, right? How could we, how could we, how could we prove beyond a reasonable doubt that something like that happened? Well, you go talk to the people that were there, right? There's still people around that were living at that time that could say, yeah, I saw that happen. I saw that event take place. We have eyewitnesses to the resurrection. Paul is pointing them to the people. He says, if you want proof, all you need to do is go talk to them. And then the third proof uh, piece of evidence we see is from, the God, is from the Bible itself. And that is the change that took place in the disciples. Pre-resurrection and post-resurrection. Before Jesus' resurrection, they were afraid. They were terrified. They all ran and scattered. But afterwards, they were bold in proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Before the resurrection, they abandoned Jesus, each one of them, but afterwards they were willing to die. In fact, the church history tells us that Peter, who denied Jesus three times the night Jesus was on trial, would go on to be crucified upside down because he did not consider himself worthy of dying the same way that Jesus did. What could possibly change Peter from from a coward who abandoned his Lord three times in one night to a person who was willing to lay down his life and die? Well, It had to be the resurrection. It had to be the fact that Jesus is alive and there was nothing that Peter could do to deny that. He was willing to give up his own life rather than deny his Lord. So we can know that the resurrection is true, that Jesus rose bodily from the grave. Well, what what does that mean for us then? Well, the effects of the resurrection are, are, there's probably too much to cover here today, but there's a few things I want to point out. And one is that Jesus truly is the Messiah, the Son of God. You see, his resurrection validates everything, that he, everything about who he is and what he taught. That God's word is true and is of utmost importance for our lives. Just think about these things that Jesus said during, during his ministry, that, that the resurrection proves are true for us. Think of passages like John 3:16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Or how about Mark 10:45 when Jesus said, "For even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many." Or John chapter 6, verses 37 through 40. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. For this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of those he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day day. See, if Jesus rose from the grave, if he laid down his life for us and then, and then is, took it back up, resurrected to glory, then it proves that he truly is the Messiah, the Son of God. And if that's the case, then he is, he is worthy of our worship and our obedience. Right? If Jesus is truly God, if he is our resurrected Lord, then we owe him everything. We owe him our lives. We owe him our obedience. We owe him our worship because he alone is worthy of it. Scripture tells us that we were bought at a price. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 through 20 says, You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And in Romans chapter 14, we get a similar idea as well. Chapter 14, verses 7 through 9. He says, for none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For Christ, or excuse me, for this reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. See, if Jesus is alive, if, if he died on the cross for us, and if the tomb is now empty, that means we owe him everything. It means that he truly has saved us from our sins, that if we put our trust in him, if we believe in him, he has given us new life. And therefore, we owe him our lives. We owe him our obedience. We owe him our worship. He must be number one in everything. Because we owe him that. You see, he died for us when we didn't deserve it. He loved us when we were at our most unloving or unlovable. 
And he gives us new life when we were dead in our trespasses and sins. So therefore, he alone is worthy of our worship and obedience. The empty tomb also reminds us that there is hope in the midst of despair, that death itself does not have the final word. Second Corinthians chapter four, verses seven through beginning of verse seven. Excuse me, beginning in verse 13. So since we have the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak because we know that we that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit so that grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And so we fix our eyes on what is seen, not what is unseen. Excuse me, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. See, if the resurrection is true, then then nothing can possibly separate us from God's love. That even the worst days in this life, the worst thing that can happen to us, cannot separate us from God. What's the worst thing that can happen to you? Losing a job, right? The stock market crashing, contracting COVID-19, even death itself, right? Those are all pretty terrible things, but not a single one of those things can separate you from the love of God. The resurrection means that the worst thing that can possibly happen to you cannot separate you from Christ. For the Christian, even death itself has lost its sting because in the moment that we die, we enter into the Father's love. See, our hope is not just for this life. Our hope is for the life that is to come. If our hope is only in this life, then, then our worst days would ruin us. Then Good Friday would be the end of the story. But we know that is not true. Because Jesus is alive, we know that that Sunday is coming, that the resurrection proves that our troubles, our hardships, our grief, our suffering, our brokenness in this life does not have the final say. The tomb is empty, therefore we have hope. And last, the tomb is empty, so what are we going to do about it? I mentioned here this kind of cliffhanger ending that we have for us in Mark's gospel. What are the, what are the women going to do? Obviously, they go and they tell the disciples. We know that because the other gospels tell us and that we are talking about it 2,000 years later. We know they went and told them about the resurrection. But Mark does an interesting thing here. He leaves this question lingering in the air, forcing us to answer it for ourselves. Right? What are we going to do in response to the good news? The tomb is empty. How are we going to respond? Well, there's two things that we need to remember. One is, that we, is that, that we now need to live a changed life. If Christ died for us, if he is alive today, that means he has made us new. He has given us his spirit, and therefore we need to live in obedience to him. We need to allow him to transform us from the inside out to make us more and more like him each day. And then we need to tell others about what he's done for us. We tell others because our lives have been changed. I want to close our time in God's word together by reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 17. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. And so we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. There's the Easter message for us right there. That God in Christ, forgave us of our sins, that our sin has been removed from us, and that in return we receive the righteousness of God. Not because of anything we've done, but because of His goodness and His grace. And that's the message that we need to share with a world that desperately needs to hear it. Let's pray. 
Lord Jesus, we worship you this morning knowing that you are Lord, that you are risen from the dead, and that you are King of kings. You are alive. We thank you for that good news. We thank you for that hope that in a, in a, in a broken world affected by sin and, and, and a, in a world that, that is hard and filled with grief, we have the hope and the joy of the resurrection to give us strength. Lord, fill us with your hope. Fill us with your joy. Fill us with your life. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. As we prepare our hearts for communion, let's sing uh, number 105, He is Lord. We're going to sing the three verses and then the, two, the refrain twice. glory, God became a man to walk on earth in ridicule and shame. A ruler yet a servant, a shepherd yet a lamb, a man of sorrows, agony and pain. Humbled and rejected, Just like a lamb to slaughter, a sinless sacrifice, that by his death his loss became our gain. Satan's forces crumbled like a mighty wall, the stone that held him in was rolled aside. of life in glory was lifted over all. Now earth and heaven echo with a cry. He is Lord. He is Lord. He is risen from the dead and He is Lord. Every Christ is Lord. He is Lord. He is Lord. He is risen from the dead and He is Lord. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. Amen. He is risen from the dead and he is Lord. This time we are going to take communion together. As we did a couple weeks ago, the first time we were not able to meet together as a church. Uh, we are going to have the elements here in front of me and I hope you've had an opportunity to Gather some bread and some juice or something along those lines for yourself at home. But even if you haven't, you're still able to participate with us spiritually because uh, we know that this bread and this juice, they, they point us to the reality that Jesus died and rose again for us, that his body was broken, his blood was shed so that we would be forgiven. And communion also points us again to the, to the future when we will be with God in glory and heaven all together gathered as his, his people celebrating the wedding supper of the Lamb. And so not only do we look back at the death and resurrect, death of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we also look forward with hope to the, to our, when we all experience new life in Him, uh, the hope of our salvation. In fact, when Jesus uh, gathered with his disciples, uh, excuse me, after the resurrection, he appeared to his disciples at various times. And Luke's gospel tells us a very uh, unique story. that two of his disciples were, were traveling along the road, leaving Jerusalem. And they were talking amongst themselves and, and wondering, uh, you know, thinking about the things that had just taken place. When suddenly a person arrives and, and begins to walk with them, unbeknownst to them, it was the Lord Jesus himself. 
And they talked about all that had taken place. And it says that, that Jesus began opening the scriptures to them and helping them to understand that, that what happened to him needed to have happened. That it was God's will for the Messiah to die and to suffer and then ultimately to rise again. And all this time as they're walking, they still didn't quite get it. They didn't quite see Jesus for who he was. When they got to the place the disciples were going to rest for the evening, they invited Jesus, they invited this, this other individual to stay with them. And so he did, and they, they sat down for a meal together. And it says in the breaking of bread, their eyes were open, and they, they saw Jesus for who he was. The story is a reminder that, that when we gather around the table, when we take the bread and we take the cup, we are, uh, we are at the table with Christ. And, and even as we are separated physically, as we gather around this table spiritually, we see Christ in this moment. We remember his death. We, we remember his resurrection. We celebrate all who he is. And as we take this bread and we take this juice, we see Jesus in it. And so that's our hope. That's our opportunity today. Let's pray together and prepare our hearts for communion. Father God, I thank you that you have given us your son, that, he, uh, that Lord Jesus, you laid down your life for us, that you died on the cross so that our sins would be forgiven, and that you rose again from the grave, opening up eternal life for all who believe. Lord Jesus, we come to this table knowing you meet us here, and knowing full well we don't deserve a seat here at the table in and of our own merits, but that we are all sinners in need of a Savior. Lord, as we take communion today, help us to know and remember those things that are not pleasing to you. Help us to to see the sin in our lives, confess it to you, and repent, turning away from those things and turning fully to your grace and your love and your goodness. And Lord Jesus, as we do that, fill us with your spirit. Fill us with joy and thankfulness and praise and in, in joy, Lord, of, of who, and who you are and what you've done for us, knowing full well, Lord, that you are that Savior we need. And so, Lord, we come before you undeserving, but yet loved, unable to save ourselves, yet saved because of what you've done for us. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he says, that What I've received from the Lord I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and having given thanks, he broke it, said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So all you who have received Jesus as your Lord and Messiah, I encourage you to take these, take the sacrament to your comfort. The body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is broken for you and for me. Feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. And his blood, which was shed for us, for the forgiveness of sins, take and drink, knowing that he died for you. Let's pray together. Lord God, we give you all glory and praise. Thank you for this time to reflect on your death and celebrate your resurrection, Lord. And thank you for the new life that you have given us in Christ. We pray all of these things in his name. Amen. We're going to close our service today by doing something a little different. Uh, Because we're not able to gather physically as a church, um, we're not able to have the choir here, which is it's usually a, a great Sunday for the choir to just sing praises and, and celebrate the resurrection. And so in lieu of that, because we're not able to gather here and, and, and the choir is not able to be here with us, we want to close our service by, by listening to the, um, uh, the way we, the choir closed the service last year. That's uh, going to have a, a part from the bells and the choir singing together God's praises. So as we close our service today, I invite you to listen and reflect on God's goodness and the new life that we have in him. Praise to the Son, sing praise to the Son, sing praise to the Son.
Amen. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. You may go in peace.